live. Ooh. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming through. What's been going on? Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Well, we had 2020. That was a nightmare. January. Yeah, it was it was an interesting year. We because we came off 2019, mm. which was just like for us. Everything yeah, such a big year. It felt like such a setback. 2020 was just like, oh, not only have I lost my job, I've also lost my uh, passion yeah. for music <laughs> and my ability to perform. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It seems like a common, uh, common yeah. theme. Oh yeah, around that year. I feel like um, for us, it felt really um, critical. And we were like, oh, we aren't able to do enough. We aren't able to expand enough. But then you look look back on it and every artist was in the same positions. But we were just so in our heads like, oh, we're not doing enough. How do we how do we get ourselves out there yeah, in this situation? Yeah. But everyone was in the same, same boat. So. Yeah, and that's it. And I've spoken to a few people about how that sort of happened. And everyone's told me the exact same story. Mm. It's just they're, they're feeling unmotivated and they're feeling uh, like they're... Um, those many resources and yeah, stuff. Yeah, those many resources. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like the I don't know what's the right word connections or something. Like we we had a good we had a good base and it's sort of um, it's still there but it's harder to reach out now. Mm. But I, I suppose it's getting better. Yeah, totally. I suppose the best thing that came out of it was that kind of reflect. Good time to reflect. Yeah. And I was, I mean, we. We had that lockdown for what was it? Two months? Oh, longer than that. Three too. months. Yeah, three or four months. Yeah, it was like a blur. We did not leave the house from like <laughs> April until September. Fuck. I think. Yeah. yeah. But I just sat myself down in front of that computer and I just wrote and wrote and wrote, and that's that's good because now we just have, rather than having to, like. Like, write a song, release it, write a song, release it. We've got this big back catalogue of, mm. what, like maybe four songs, four or five songs? Getting there, yeah. I mean, some of them are there's still a lot of work to do. I mean, <laughs> I'm not – yeah, we're not saying that. We weren't the most like album about to drop. No. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. No, no Nicky I think album. albums are dead, at least for pop music. Oh, yeah. Albums yeah. are a dying breed, I think. No, Unless sure. it's like a fully conceptual album or you're the kind of artist that – you've got so many ideas that you need to kind of bring them all together at once so people are not like, their new shit sucks. Yeah. Whereas they can listen to the album and be like, okay, they're kind of trying new things. Like, it's a vibe, but, um, yeah. So that's not a focus at all for you guys? Oh, maybe an I EP. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I mean, I've, I've definitely had the idea of doing another EP, but, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, we think, like... It, Who wants to sit through an hour of pop music. I mean, it, it seems like a waste of content. Mm, exactly. You can just drip, free, drip feed it. Yeah. Because people, people consume so quickly. Mm. That's why, and, and that's why albums are dead now because, because of how easily music. <laughs> social media has killed Social media speed. and how easy it is to stream music now. Mm. You don't have to go and buy a CD. Oh, God. You can just get up your phone and listen to whatever you want for $11 a month, you know? <laughs> It's 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 simplicity itself. So it's so albums just don't work. 
But I, I definitely mean, for certain like types oh, of musicians, definitely I think it's yeah. still. I mean, rock and roll, you know, and metal music especially. Yeah, I was about to say like metal and like hardcore definitely are coming out mm. with albums like still, it, and that's. I don't know. I don't know. Many Imagine metal like bands. a metal band just dropping an EP, like a split. I would understand, well, but an EP, you'd be like, think come about on. it. Yeah, think about a band like Slipknot releasing an EP, like a four track. People are like, what the fuck is this? People are just like, yes. I've waited 10 years. Yes, more of a I mean, they just released music. one, but, you know, you know, say they released one in five years. I've waited five years for four songs. <laughs> People would just be That's livid. like our fans. They're like, we're waiting. Yeah. And we just drop like a single, like once, a, once yeah, in a blue moon. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> but yeah, we got, we got a lot of songs. They're coming. But the problem is, I mean, it's not a problem, but... Um, it's like we've got 2020 uh mindset i think no yeah what's the word like flash like vietnam flashbacks ptsd ptsd we got tw- <laughs> are you equ- are you equating a year to a psychological no, disorder certainly not <laughs> but it's it's similar you know i feel like i feel like after such a long dry season it's mm. hard to get back it's hard to like the- push yourself back into the moment and especially when i mean at the beginning of the year, well, January 22nd, like only a few weeks ago, we were meant to have the touch sensitive gig. And we thought, fuck yeah, like this will really push us back into, you know, getting back into the groove of things. And then that got postponed because COVID just did not let up. I think so. he's from Sydney. I think, don't quote me on that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's, he's from that general area. So, mm. I mean, fair enough. We don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it got pushed back so we can keep every everyone happy and safe mm. but um i'm glad it's happening that's the uh 13th of march mm, 13th of march and it was which really... isn't that much of a pushback no, but yeah. gives us more time to reinvent the live set i think after yeah. not playing live for so long i mean there were a few gigs here and there but definitely out of touch i mean i picked smoking back up so i should probably quit that for this year oh, yeah. get the <laughs> vocal cords was, back yeah, up and that running was terrible 2020 was just this <laughs> Just thousands of dollars worth of pouches, <laughs> and now we're smoking vapes. I mean, like, don't expose us, dude. There's <laughs> no <laughs> mom like blowing smoke into the mic. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, there's no good or bad, but I mean, this is better, right? <laughs> yeah, like we've got cigarettes, mm. so. But that gig was originally meant to be last year. No, 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 no. It was originally meant to be at uh, Fiction. Um. But I think fiction's rules are still a bit iffy. Mm, like, mm. I mean, I haven't been out to a club all year. <laughs> Six months. You're a liar. You've definitely been. No, to I a I have, time. but it like not. I haven't been to fiction because I don't. I'm not paying fifteen dollars to go into a fucking fiction. Yeah, no offense. But um, I think their rules are still iffy or something. Mm. But I I remember. They were gonna have consistent gigs there. The, yeah. the, the promoter, well, this, I can't remember. Well, his this name. gig was gonna be like a Friday night and then a Saturday night, like two gigs. I think because of the rules, because of the restrictions, they were gonna have like a max amount of tickets for one night, but still wanted everyone to be able to come. So I split it up so that with social distancing and stuff, yeah. which is fair enough. But um, I don't think that's happening now. I think maybe Cambry has more. Well, Cambry, Cambry is, I mean, I, I don't know what UC is doing with the refec, with the refec in the hub, but they uh, but uh, Camry's like the the big the big room now, mm. you know, where where all the bands come through, mm. 
And yours and ours are doing it as well, which is great. And, mm. fi- you know, I mean, fiction is good if you're a DJ, but... Yeah, it's definitely more of like a think, like a club. Yeah, I don't think it music. attracts the right sort of crowd anyway. For us, our music anyway, well, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, we've we've been doing all right. We're getting ourselves back on back on track. Yeah, it's good. I guess we got we got a lot in the work. I mean, things we uh, it's so, it's so classic, but we got a couple things coming, but we're not allowed what's to talk that about fucking, them. What's that fucking um that Instagram page band memes six six six? too relatable and it's just like local band nobody knows posts big things coming soon or whatever every time we do a job big things coming soon it's the only way classic that's why i hate social media like it's just you gotta to become success a successful musician in 2020 2021 you've got to sell yourself and i mean i say that you gotta you gotta sell your um uh, how pe- much for your arms? Uh, appearance. No, how much for them? 40000 oh, Fuck. For the left. <laughs> for the left. Oh, yeah. God. That's a pretty good deal. It's <laughs> yeah. a good arm. Uh, can, we, can we pull up pricing for black market uh, uh, limbs? Yeah, we can. <laughs> Just abusing our powers here. Yeah, but you've got to, like, you, you got to constantly remind people this is mm. who we are. So the, uh, the marketing thing about like cold and warm selling, or yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Like that. It's kind of like you got to really hone in on what yeah. what and your I, demographic is. And I suppose that's why it's so important to create an image for yourself that you respect and you really like, mm. and like l- that attracts like-minded people that are going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Your and so it's not it's art. not a chore to have to. Mm. project who you are onto the people that consume your music, the mm. listeners. Definitely. So, so when, you know, when it's, when it's passionless, your, your, uh, your, your image, mm. your projection, it, it becomes like a job. Mm. And it's just, it's I mess, mean, there's a lot of art. A lot of big artists that have like a very specific image, and then I feel like every artist that has like a real boxed in kind of image just has like this real breakthrough. Like I'm reinventing myself, like Marina and the Diamonds dropping the diamonds, yeah, and uh, <laughs> becoming a little bit more like house pop, yeah, you right. know, rather than um, her old, you know, character. No, I guess, totally. but um. I might have boxed myself in a little bit. I feel bad buying clothes that aren't pink because I'm like, if I can't wear this on stage, why am I buying it? Well, Can I claim true. this on my taxes? I need to I need to do my taxes this year and see how much I, I can claim. We could though, right? It's I mean, a uniform. This is, this, it's is a uniform. A, this is a legitimate business. I mean, we don't pay yeah. our taxes yet. So <laughs> I don't know how legitimate this business well. is, but I mean, yeah. That's true. We'll have to get Nico Pink embroidered on everything so it's like actually uniform. That'd be kind of sick. I think uh, the tax file number we use for our invoices. We, we We're using my ABN. Oh, I used okay. to, yeah, yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it's still your ABN. But it's still, it's still uh, back when I did makeup. So it's still under like creative. It's under the threshold. It's under the threshold. I mean, yeah. God, we're, <laughs> Why are we talking about taxes this yeah, early? We don't want to get into trouble. <laughs> But um, yeah. So. But yeah, I think you can claim it as like costumes. Yeah, I was actually doing a little yeah. bit of research the other day because yeah. I was like laundry expenses. Can, yeah, 
Exactly. But um. Or we could just sell some some limbs for you. Oh, I'm not kidding. Or, or oh, you've got you've gotten it up. I don't think your arms would be worth as much as you might think. Well, I mean, organs would be the real money. This would might, you? This, this might actually be like uh, eggs. Yeah, look, it has tempted me. I'm surprised at how cheap some of this is. Yeah, right. Two hundred thousand dollars for a kidney? I've got two, bro. <laughs> Take it. Do you know what I could do with two hundred thousand dollars? The marketing money. Ugh. Well, man, I could do some stuff. I could never drink again, though. I think that's the. I don't think you'd die within like a year or two, oh, dude, if you saw the kidney. But um, yeah, I have, I have um, looked into selling a few few organs. Would you donate an organ to me if I needed it, like a kidney or a liver? Depending on uh, how much you left me, and you will, of course. <laughs> it would have to be substantial. You'd probably give me like the bung, the bung kidney, just so I die, so you can get that well, money. Well, I have to figure out which one's which first. We need some nurses on this live stream. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah, some anatomy lessons. If you're in the chat, call in and we'll uh, yeah. get some Yeah, can we answer calls? Yeah. Totally, yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, Af, is what your opinion on the future of pop music. I keep fucking with my beard. I mean, like, I was listening to, what was it? I think it was Triple J, I don't know. And I've noticed that Surprise. Fuck off. <laughs> Pop music is becoming more uh, dance music, and mm. dance music is becoming more underground. Okay. Can, can you uh, expand on that well, idea? Lady Gaga. Mm, definitely. And Dua yeah, Lipa like, both yeah. released albums. I think they both released their albums last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're... They're dance albums, especially mm. Lady Gaga's album, Chromatica. Chromatica, that's yeah. A, that's a house album. That's a bop. It's an incredible album. I absolutely adored it. And but Didn't pick you as a Gaga stand until the album dropped. I remember, like, listening to Rain On Me when it first dropped, like, the day it came out because it came up on my Spotify thing. And I was listening to it and I was like, this is the kind of music Gus would like. And I remember showing you being like, I wonder what he's going to think. Like, yeah, did right. I get this wrong? And you were like... Fuck, this song is sick. Yeah, yeah, oh, and that's the thing. I think it's, I think it's going in that direction. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that as a hopeful individual who makes music, dance music, dance music. But that being said, I mean, I think pop music is expanding a lot. I mean, I think also it's expanding a lot because ten years ago it was purely through labels. Um, and, you know, these artists that were label-made rather than homemade, I guess. So I feel like a lot of individuality and creativeness is coming through in pop music and you're able to get a hit song overnight. Like, not everyone, but, you know, certain oh, yeah, things with algorithm, algorithms are popping up. So I feel like it's not necessarily that it's a mental change of the people pushing the forefronts of pop. I think it's more people are being pushed to the forefront that have more better oh, background, yeah. you know, difference. And there's so many factors. There's there's that you you can do absolutely everything at home now. Mm. Whereas whereas let's say 2010, oh, even further back, 2007, mm. 6, like artists like, you know, Rihanna and Timberland and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> like just Justin Timberlake was in uh, in sync. So he obviously he obviously got started early, but 
Um, it gives me good songs. Sometimes I hear a song and I find out it's by Justin Timberlake, and I'm like, really? Oh, he's got some bobs. Yeah. And um, especially uh, inclu- inclusivity. Mm. Am I saying that right? Inclusivity. <laughs> yeah, Aww, like little like white man. It's kinda. so be woke. <laughs> um. We live in such an inclusive world now. It's mm. just you can be whatever you mm. want. I mean, even with rap music taking over in the last four or five years. Oh, totally. Like. Rap is the most popular genre of music in yeah, the world. And which, it has been for. Yeah, since like 2016. I think years 20, years. 2015, I remember. Because I remember listening in college back in like 2014, 2015, listening to a lot of rap music and a lot of trap music. And, you know, going to parties and playing and people being like, what the fuck is this, you know? And just kind of seeing it take over the mainstream was kind of cool as mm. a, a rap fan, I think, because there's so much talent in rap music, even songs and artists that people don't necessarily think are talented. They're like, oh, they use too much autotune. But it's like, I feel like now because there's so much, almost an oversaturation of the industry with yeah. rap music is that I feel like a lot of artists um, are coming forward with all these ideas and using a lot of like early 2000s tropes with like, you know, like T-Pain sort of auto-tune totally, and, yeah. and mumble rap and all that kind of thing, which initially was like, oh, mumble rap, they're not talented. Yeah. But I think because there's so much people like, it's stylistic. I oh, feel like people are recognising that that's on yeah. purpose and it's an expression. It's a way to play with your sound, I guess, mm. because I think there's nothing wrong with using auto-tune. There's nothing wrong with you know, mumbling stuff because it's still creating like a unique sound no, that, exactly. you know, 10 years ago wasn't really And that's exactly, relevant. I remember watching an interview with T-Pain. I don't know why I was. <laughs> he's actually a really fucking good singer. That's crazy. Oh, he's incredible. Mm. I s- have you seen his tiny desk? I was literally thing? about to mention his oh, NPR. Yeah. yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, I remember him saying, uh, someone asked, uh, why did you decide to have such an auto-tuned voice? He says, because no one else was doing it. Mm. Everyone else sounded the same. If, if I came out with just a voice that sounded like it does uh, without the auditory, no one would have paid attention. But mm. people did because it was different. Mm. Because it, it yeah. was. I think maybe like T-Pain in that era knew that he kind of could fall back on the fact that he was actually a good singer and the mainstream people that were listening to, you know, like his main songs didn't even necessarily have to know that because... If they said, oh, he can't sing, he uses autotune, like he can. Yeah. Yeah. Turn that shit up. He does like an acoustic rendition of, um, what's the song? Oh, I know like two of his songs. <laughs> I know this one. You know, okay, I could be wrong, but I swear I remember T-Pain played a gig at Academy in Canberra. Like Is that right? 2016. I swear it was T-Pain. It was another artist that was really similar. And I was like, coming to Canberra? What the fuck? But I mean, like, there's actually, what about when, like, Kelly 47 played, like, a year ago? Yeah, right. And just played at Fiction. Like, I mean, she was here for, was it Grooven or was it, Build at the... Was it Fiction a year ago? Or was it Academy? No, it was fiction. It was definitely fiction. Right. Um, yeah, that was sick. Um, 
it's kind of cool to see these big overseas artists playing playing in Canberra because I feel like that's not something that happens very often. So when they do that, it's, you know, it's a real standout kind of thing. I mean, not that we don't have amazing, talented, super cool artists that tour here every year or two outside of COVID time. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I remember like Ellie 47, I'd been a fan of her music for years and just um, seeing her live, you never really think, oh, I'm going to see them live in like such a stripped back small environment no yeah it's um it's quite cool can we uh can we research if it was t-pain um it it might have been um who was it sean kingston came to canberra too really really your way to beautiful i remember a lot of of those guys came yeah kind of the back end of their career yeah Yeah, Yeah, i remember oh man i feel bad for this but i remember when i saw that tour that sean kingston was doing um yeah it was a few years ago it was Mm. maybe 2016 Mm. I remember saying, oh, man, this poor bloke. Look, he's touring Washed in Canberra. Up, touring fucking he's touring Canberra. in Wollongong. Yeah. I was like, oh, this poor fella. But then a, a, a mate of mine. That's a way to grow your, your audience. Oh, so, totally. you know, hit places that you might not know if you've got reach in, and then you would probably get a big turnout. No, yeah. But um, yeah, 2017. 2017, yeah. yeah. yeah right. I remember when that happened and I really wanted to go, but I had work that day because I have this such distinct memory. So... People might not know this, but I grew up very religious. Like, my parents were so strict. And I remember driving to church one morning when I was, like, 11, and I had this shitty Nokia phone, didn't have any data, didn't have anything, but my friend of Bluetoothed, beautiful girls, the one where he talks about, you make me want to um, commit suicide, oh, like okay. the undoxed version. Mm. And I remember listening to that really quiet in the backseat on the way to church because my parents would kill me if they found out I was listening to, like, devil music. Oh, yeah. And then when I when I saw his touring, I was like, fuck, yeah, I just want to see that live. <laughs> just, like, reminisce when I was, like, 10 or 11. But, um... Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, I remember seeing that and being and being apprehensive about it, <laughs> thinking, man, this guy's on the he's in the dregs, you know. <laughs> but I, I I have a mate, uh uh, aka Louis, and he told me, Oh, nah man, um, I respect the hustle. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. Mm. Like like he's still going, you know, and like like you can look at it you can look at it as He's 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 scraping pennies and mm. he's just tr- this is his only income. He's trying to keep doing it, but I mean, ultimately, he he became a musician because that's what he loves, and he's mm. still doing it. And you know, you got you got to respect that, mm. uh, especially with some of these some of these older artists who might not necessarily be as successful as they were in their bubble, but mm. they're still pushing and they're still doing still it. Still creating new music. Because, mm. I mean, ultimately they love it. And sure, it, it may be their income. It may be the the only thing they can to make money, um, despite their imagine massive seeing, stream revenues. <laughs> imagine seeing like T-Pain just like working at Audi checkout, just like <laughs> doesn't give a fuck if you've got a bag, just like, psh, psh, just like swinging your groceries your way. Mm. I mean, ugh. It'd be a bad way to end up. Oh, yeah. And you guys have been hustling. I heard, I read in an article that back in some of your early tunes, you were actually working sort of like 13-hour days, going home, the day job, going home, and then uh, Where did finishing you read tracks. That? that would have been when we were doing our EP. Yeah. So um, funny you mentioned that. I don't even remember that. But basically... 
when we were writing No Thorns, I had just recently moved back um, in with my mum who was living in Goulburn at the time. So, um, I mean, I grew up in Canberra and all my friends and everything was in Canberra. And so I was working in Goulburn, but I was coming down to Canberra every other day and yeah. we were in the middle of writing No Thorns. I think Gus sent me the track like three, I think it was like a Sunday. And the next... The next Sunday was the end of the Groove in the Move competition and, like, we'd only released one song at that point and we didn't know anything about the industry. <laughs> and we were like, we're going to get Groove in the Move. Like, we've got to finish this fucking track. It's and, because so, it, it, and it's also because it charted on Unearth so high. It did yeah. so well. So we uh, we were like... Yeah, Black Mountain Drive. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, no, no, no. no. Oh, I'm talking no. about when I was writing No Thorns. Yeah, right. But, yeah, so I remember Gus sent me... Yeah. I still really do love this song. Oh, yeah. I'd like to redo it. Yeah, we really want to remix it and just... There's just no time for it, you know? Yeah. Don't want to be stuck in the past, but it is a good song. It's great. But, yeah, at the time, I was just working as a super at Zambies and um, working fuckloads of shifts, and I brought my laptop to work, and (laughs) I was working, like, 13, 14-hour days, so I'd get two half-an-hour shifts, and I remember every shift for like three days, I would just take my laptop, write, and then that night, write until 3 a.m. and literally wrote the song within three days. Yeah. Um, stayed up till like 3 a.m. the night before we were meant to record, record the song that I'd just written um, and then <laughs> worked like a fucking 10-hour shift and got a train to Canberra. And then the next day we started recording it because I was just like, we need to get this out. Like, you know, like while that energy was still there, I've like got a good song. It needs to just, needs to be up and needs to be out into the world, which now that we're a bit older and wiser, that's not always the best decision because you rush the mixing process. I mean, I literally, oh, that's right. I literally went to Canberra the night after writing that song. The next morning at like 9 a.m., went to um, f- the Better Music in Philip, oh, yeah. bought an $800 mic. Yeah, that's right. I remember anything. that day. We didn't have anything I was still to living record. in Dunlop then. Yeah, we had like this shitty, shitty mic at the at that point. And I was like, just gotten paid after all these fat shifts I was doing. And was like, okay, I need to buy a mic. I need to buy a stand, like everything. And then, yeah, that night we just recorded it in like a shitty little small yeah. spare bedroom and... I think we finished it Friday night and then Saturday we spent the whole day getting it mixed and then uploaded it that night yeah. before the Sunday competition <laughs> cut off was. That's right. We didn't yeah. get her in the mood, but... There was like, there was like, was like a two-hour period before the competition ended. We just put the song on. Yeah. And because they, they say in the thing, um, it doesn't matter if you do it just before the timeline, we, we review all we the songs. We will listen to it, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that was Moaning Lisa ended up winning. Mm, which is right. which was cool because they ended up just whoosh, skyrocketing. So mm. I'm 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 glad they won because they they ended up doing incredible things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our first ever gig was with them. I remember. Yeah. I remember the vibe of playing our first ever gig and it being Moaning Lisa, and they were kind of just on that barrier of breaking through. But there was a big hype surrounding oh, they them. Oh, filled that f- the Phoenix Bar. Yeah. It was absolutely wall to wall. Phoenix was around. But I remember yeah. not really, like, when I first started Nico Pink, I did not really listen to Australian music. Like, I was purely a rap head. Yeah, like, totally. Didn't know anything about the scene. Didn't really know who Morning Lisa were. 
And I remember just being like, okay, well, this is my moment. This is, you know, this is my first show. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking give it what I've got. And I remember just a lot of people in the crowd being like, who the fuck are these cunts? Like, yeah. And being like impressed with our show and who we were considering it was just our first gig. Um, but I remember like someone coming up to me being like, is this your first gig? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, how did you play with Moaning Lisa? And at the time I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, they're just a Canberra band because I didn't know shit. But wow. then, and then, I mean, and then I, I think it was like a month later they got the groove in the move spot and they started blowing up and I was like, oh shit. And then a year after that they got fucking Splendor in the Grass. Yeah. I don't know if that gig ended up going forward though. Oh no, it would have. It would have. That was before COVID. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that just going, oh my God, that's incredible. Canberra mm. band that we played our first gig with is now playing. All these big festivals that yeah, it's we, incredible. we were wanting to do back when we were starry-eyed and naive. Do you remember the day that we recorded the vocals for Lona in my bedroom at mum's? It was so hot. I was literally in <laughs> like my bra and undies sweating profusely because we couldn't have... Gus's spare room at his mum's house is tiny. Well, my Smaller than this. It was mum's spare room. It was my room. It was about half as big as this room. Half as big as this. Carpet, no ventilation... And we couldn't have the fan on because because if it would come up in the recording, it would come up in the recording, yeah. So we just sweated our asses off just doing numerous takes and layers and harmonies, and it was like the first time I'd done numerous layers, numerous harmonies, yeah, in a in a track because I think we'd kind of gotten to a spot where we were putting a little bit more effort into yeah, our music. Yeah, we we realized what what the potential. We learned was, more about yeah. what we needed to do, mm. and so we started doing it. But yeah, that that was such a. Sh- I don't want to say shit day because I think it was like a really pivotal moment for us. Just like just hustling in like literally 40 degree heat with yeah. no fan totally. in the stuffiest room in all of Canberra. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, I um. And what was your um sort of unearthed experience? Because uh, you mentioned earlier that the song kind of blow blew up. Not that one, the black. Yeah, oh, yeah, one. The first one. What was that like? And what do you think about Unearth now? Oh, well. Going through that and that kind of rise. Well, I remember initially our first uh, uh, Black Mountain Drive, No Thorns, and oh, Black Mountain Drive alone. Mm. Yeah, we. Uh, everyone thinks No Thorns is our second song. I mean, no, I don't think anyone <laughs> thinks that, but I think that. <laughs> we don't count alone. <laughs> but we had this other song in between that called Alone and it was so shit. I mean Kojo did the mixing on that one and the mixing was beautiful. That was the first time we got someone else on yeah, board to do mixing. Yeah. So Black Mountain Drive, um, the situation with that was We had my buddy Callum uh record the vocals, mix mixing everything. Fifty dollars like cash. <laughs> I don't know if I ended up paying him. Callum, if you're watching this, we owe you. Once I we, feel really bad once about that. Up. And the um, tax man too. Yeah, the tax <laughs> man. You're just racking up bills here. Too. Oh, God. <laughs> Guys, you're going to get a job. But, um, yeah, I remember Black Mountain Drive. Like like I was saying, I did not know anything about the Australian music industry and didn't really know what on earth We was. just knew that if you put your song on Triple J on well, earth, you knew that. it might get played on Triple J. Yeah. So, and we didn't even know how to put music on Spotify. I mean, Spotify was young then. That was, I mean, it wasn't young, but it was still. It was a new concept. I didn't us. know. I mean, I didn't even use it. Mm. But I mean, I think with Black Mountain Drive, I didn't, at that point, 
this was just like a a bit of fun, just writing a song, which yeah. is why we, you know, just did a shitty, shitty recording, totally, like yeah, a was really basic mix, and then just uploaded it. I didn't really expect anything to happen, you know. We kind of shared it on our sh- socials. We took, I remember um, one of these these one of my old friends, Chris. You, we went and picked you up and just went <laughs> in the park right next to my dad's house in Everett oh, and just yeah. took terrible photos just As a first on photo my shoot. phone um, just so we had a photo to I was wearing out. this terrible red sweater and with, like, these, like, Tom Cruise sunnies. <laughs> and it wasn't even that long ago. Was it three years ago? Yeah. Has it been – have we been a band for three years? Yeah. Because we always miss our anniversary. Yeah, we always forget. But, um, yeah, so we just kind of, like, threw everything together, not really expecting much except friends and family to kind of listen to it. And then I remember we put it up on, like, a, a Thursday or a Friday, and then Sunday they do the charts. And the Monday after they'd done the charts, we were, like, what, number three on the overall charts or number four on the overall charts and number one on the pop charts. And I we had over was, a 1,000 streams within a few Was it number one on the pop charts or the indie charts? Pop charts. No, it was the pop charts. Yeah, and we were just like, what? What? Because like, it was, I mean, it was. it's a good song, mm. mind you. It's, oh, a, it, it's a great dude. song, but the recording is just... Can we play the Black Mountain demo? Just listen to the synths, just how pitchy they yeah, are in the beginning. You're going to have to look YouTube up. Or? It is on YouTube. No, 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 no. It, it's on SoundCloud. It's on SoundCloud. I think it's on YouTube still. Because it's got the old old background of that photo in Japan when you went to Japan that you yeah, took and the, you just edited it. The photo is a picture of a – it's like, like – a rooftop. It's like got a flag and a, and a cross. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Very poorly mixed. No offense, Carl. <laughs> look, it's and got 1,500, 1,500 plays. That's pretty good. Yeah, for our first For SoundCloud. My vocals were fucking dog shit. Man, your vocals, like, have changed so much. It's weird that. I've matured. I couldn't even fucking breathe back then. Yeah. I was smoking, Rothman, some... I was smoking like, a pack of Rothman Reds a day. Like... Yeah, there's something with your, with, with your breathing. Sounds off. Yeah, so we we ended up we ended up remastering it when yeah, we when we, we released our EP. Yeah, we, we well, I don't know. We I think we 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 thought about not doing it. Yeah, because it was a bit like a like an old song, but I mean, the end of that year. So we uploaded it. I think middle end of November. No, like November twenty seventeen. Yeah, November twenty seventeen. Like right at the end of November, and Claire Mooney at the end of the year for twenty seventeen. Um, who's like a Triple J unearthed and Triple J like song Person. curator. Um, we were like number three in her top ten songs of the year. And so we were <laughs> like, what the fuck? <sighs> like this shitty demo is your top ten songs of the year. So we were like, okay, obviously this song has more potential. And so we spent a little bit more time on it. We re-recorded the vocals. We re-recorded the track and got it mixed like over a span of a couple of days um, so that it had a bit more liveliness to it. And we read um, it all the vocals too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, One which side was, quit which smoking. Probably done in my initially. bedroom as well. 
Yeah. But yeah, after after that uh, incident in my bedroom at Mum's with uh, with the thirty five degree day recording loner, mm. that was like we were like no, never again. No, we're do, not we're not doing this again. This. So now we record all our vocals with twenty four ten. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dean and Julie mm-hmm. Vay. Mm-hmm. They're these incredibly lovely, lovely uh, people. Uh, they don't live in that house in Campbell anymore, though. Oh, really? Did they yeah, move? they moved somewhere. Oh, okay. But yeah, they. But I'm um, pretty sure they're still. Uh, they've reset up their studio or something. I'm not too sure. Yeah, we um we played, uh, what was it? it? Was like that gig at New Sancho's. Sancho's is. Um, oh, Sancho's. Weekend at pa- uh, Pablo Palco's. Yeah. Um, we played that gig and they just watched our set and they were like, we really like what you guys are doing. Do you want to come record for free? And we were like, yes, we're broke. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, I still can't believe it because they still record us for free. Yeah. It's still it's still no questions asked. And mm. I, I I leave there every time thinking, man, I've just, just, I've just robbed these people. <laughs> I've just left with this this gold mine. And mm. I've, been, I've had comments in the fore saying, how do you guys get your vocals that's, to sound so crisp? How do you get them to sound we use an SM7B, so nice? SM7B, which I would not be able to afford. Ah, this is the new version. Ah. Yeah, a little bit more um, compressed. I can actually breathe in this take. Funny, uh, funny little uh, factoid. All of the guitar in both... Both versions, because the guitar and the guitar in this version is the same as the demo, because mm. because I don't know, we just we reused the guitar track. I recorded that on a guitar that only had five strings, <laughs> and it wasn't even mine. It was Tom's guitar, who was our guitarist, who's our guitarist at the time. Mm. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I had this shitty guitar plugged into my like forty dollar Behringer uh, interface. Interface. Into my uh, now ex girlfriend's uh, uh, crappy MacBook in garage. <laughs> MacBook Air, that MacBook Air in Garage Band. In Garage Band, yep. Yeah, yeah. We're humble. We oh, very humble our beginnings, mm. and it still did so well. And mm. I still, I still respect that because because mm. it was true, well and truly DIY. Uh, DIY. DIY. <laughs> no, that's that's later. <laughs> yeah, that was later. That's in um, a couple of Another hours. interesting like factoid in the remixed, um, updated version of Black Mountain Drive, um, in the vocal recording where I say ha. Um, that's kind of like become a big staple in our music of like, like a my yeah, little re- flair. We reuse it. We reuse it in every single song. So every single song where you hear me say, "Huh," it's the exact same the exact take, same and we pitch one, it up. Yeah. We put reverb on it. We make it fit to whatever song needs it. And initially, initially with um, I think it was with you. We were going to re-record it. But I thought, no, it was with Loop, I think. I was like, this uh, part needs yeah. a ha. And I didn't want to go back into the studio to record just that. And so I was like, Kojo, can you just put the one from Black Mountain Drive into Loop? And we were like, yeah, cool. This sounds good. And then every song after that, I was like, yeah, we're just going to we're gonna keep consistent with this because no, yeah. it's just like a cool little, little throwback. No, totally. Yeah, um, going back to Canberra. What do you uh, what do you think the future is? I mean, I I myself I've been wanting to start like a like a I don't know what to call it a a, a co-op a, a 
a collective. Collective, mm. which I, I get every pop and electronic band in Canberra, mm. and I'm I'm excluding DJs from this. I'm sorry, DJs. I love your work, but purely purely uh, people that write their own original electronic and pop music in mm. Canberra. I want to bring them all together because it's just Canberra's so dry with that, you know. Mm. And I I I feel like. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in there that um, uh, are making that kind of music, but they're not. Uh, there's not enough of a uh, foundation to work off in Canberra. I think. No, exactly. I mean, Canberra does have a really good scene, but the scene is definitely more focused to indie surf rock kind of vibes. Totally, which is great. Um, which is cool, and that's definitely like kind of at the forefront of Australian music. Like when you think of Australian music, it's artists like Lime Cordial and Dune Rads, Skeggs. and Skeggs and. Rock and um, roll, you know, fingers. and Australia. Australia's always been canceled. a rock and roll country, you know, from mm. from the beginning to the end. It's I mean, it's going like to be a rock and roll country, and that's just how it is. But that being said, I mean, we, we some of the most uh, successful uh, uh, electronic artists in the world have come out of Cam- uh, Australia. Yeah, like um, Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Sun, yes, big one. Flume. 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 Yeah. Hey. I was yeah, fuck that always gets me. Yeah. Flume's Australian mm. and he's huge. He's worked with Taylor Swift. Really? Um, I don't think they have a song together, but he's written songs for Taylor Swift. Oh, oh god, I can't think off the top of my head, but mm. yeah, like the foundation that we have yeah, within Australia is just huge. Electronic music that is like Pinal. I mean, also Nick Littlemore from Empire of the Sun. Yeah. But you know, all these artists that are coming from Australia, and I feel like. Also, a lot of the time, I remember being in like this shit posting group on Facebook years and years ago, and some person was an Australian artist, and you know, just some underground Australian artist, and kind of realized that a lot of people overseas are listening to Australian music without even realizing it was Mm. Australian music. Um, And I think that's a big thing that Australian artists kind of put forth is that they're kind of breaking through without even people being aware of them being Australian. Like I think, Mm. for example, like I think the biggest Australian artist that broke through in the recent 10 years was like Iggy Azalea and that was like her whole thing. She's like this Australian white female rapper. But it's so much... Dude, she's from Mullumbimby. Do you know where that is? In the Northern Rivers. It's in the Northern Rivers. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's like north, north Northern Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. That's so strange. Isn't that crazy? It's like a, it's like one of the most hippie towns I've ever been to. It's incredible. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think this that was kind of like a lot of people being like, oh look, this is what Australia is. But it's so much more than that. I think there's so many artists that kind of slip through the cracks into the mainstream that people don't even know that they're Australian, and it's not really like a driving force. Whereas I think a big thing about Iggy Azalea, for example, when she became really big, was like. It was so polarizing, like all oh, this white girl from Australia of all places is making rap music, trying to act yeah. hard. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely. She, and she, uh, she, uh, what's the story? She earned up. She made all this money when she was like seventeen Six, yeah, or sixteen. 16 17, went to like LA. Went or to LA, just became a stripper. One flight, just earned all yeah, this. Got a one way ticket and just. Hustled, which, like, I mean, say what you want about Iggy Azalea as an artist, as a person, but, like, 
you kind of have to respect the hustle and the fact that she did get so big. I mean, part of it is probably because she is super marketable because she was this pretty skinny, palatable white woman doing pop rap rather than, you know, like root rap. But, um, yeah, she definitely did hustle, you know. I think there's a lot of artists out there that aren't necessarily hustling to make their way. A lot of uh, plant, industry plants. but um, A lot of people who have uh, daddies daddies with a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, I wish. I mean, like... You know, you can say that, but I mean, if we're if we were in the position, if we we're in that position, if my mom didn't make less money than me, <laughs> then uh, fuck, I mean, it'd be hard not to. It'd be mm. hard not. To, but I mean, that being said, it it, it goes back to your upbringing. You know, mm. if if you if if we were both brought up in high high income families, we'd be way bigger be, than we are right now. No, we'd be completely different people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because that that sort of society that that. Uh, develops those sort of people that, you know, it, it brings out a certain uh, attitu- different, yeah, attitude different in culture. people, which is why I think artists generally are always so Poor. tortured, you know, yeah. artists are always these drug addicts and these drunks mm. and these miserable, depressed people mm. because it, because it's that, it's that, uh, it's that, uh, like longing and that need for, Something, something bigger than themselves. Something that makes you feel bigger than yourself. Mm. Whereas when you're when you handed everything to you, mm. with, with from the start, mm. it's just like it's a very different culture. And I think that also kind of relates back to what we were talking about about how music and the internet and you know algorithms and stuff are kind of bringing more inclusivity in that people don't have to have a label. They don't have to have daddy's money to necessarily get big. I mean, like, it's just, it's really changing, I think, the dynamic of music in the mainstream because, like, these people that might be nobodies 10 years ago are able to actually have a platform and be heard and seen. Especially, like, people in really tight-knit communities. Like trans people mm. and, uh, and 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 people that are in these really unfortunate situations where society doesn't necessarily rec- uh, recognize mm. them as even citizens, you know. Mm. But we live we live in such a um, um, society <laughs> now that I gotta stop saying it. But yeah, we live in such a society now where everyone is acceptable to an extent. An extent. Yeah. And we still got a lot of work to do. Mm. But I think, yeah, I think definitely a lot of it is also, I mean, rest in peace, Sophie. But I think a big part of Sophie was that she was this trans woman coming up in this, um, you know, hyper-pop experimental um, sound that a lot of people, even if they didn't particularly usually listen to that kind of music, they yeah. saw themselves in an artist. And oh, so totally. they kind of project all this, like, these emotions of if they can make it, I can make it. Exactly. If they can be accepted, if they can make a name for themselves, then, like, I think that's really inspiring to a lot of people and I think that's really changed music as well. I think there's a lot of artists. I mean, Lady Gaga, Charlie XCX, Madonna, they're all, sh- for the most part, as far as I'm aware, like, straight white women... Yeah. But 
because they are their fan bases are built off these oppressed LGBTQ plus communities that are recognizing that they not only see them, even if they can't directly relate to their experiences, that they are giving them some sort of a platform. I mean, Lady Gaga was so polarizing when she first came out because completely from the from the start too. Yeah, because it's not like she started off as this you know hot bitch that was. Uh, super marketable. Super marketable. No, no way was yeah. she marketable. She but was. But I think definitely like a lot of these artists that have grown big, like Charlie XCX and such, um, you know, have been propelled to their status because of their fans and the people that are listening yeah. to them and the totally. um, the representation that these people who don't necessarily, or at least back then, especially weren't getting that recognition in mainstream media. You know, that was like yeah. a big a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, even with Lizzo, um, you know, being like a body positive um, role model for people as an ov- like a big, black, proud woman, um, really kind of giving voices to people that didn't necessarily have voices. Completely. I mean, Lizzo was also polarising because while she had such this, fa- this big fan base where people were like, we love you, we see you, we support you, um, we see ourselves in you. There was still misogyny and racism and fat phobia and it was th- attacking. It was thrown upon her, you know. And, and yeah, that's just—it's such a shame because when when artists like that come out with these with these important messages, mm. they're just the industry shuts them down mm. and you know fuck fuck the I industry was, um, right off. I was watching an interview with Lizzo, actually, and um, she does have quite a few good songs, but I think something also really refreshing um, as an artist and as you're trying to grow and come into yourself is seeing how many artists that do make it big, they were just about to quit. They were... um, Lizzo, in this interview, was talking about how for, like, nine years she was grinding, hustling, living in, like, like couch surfing or something in shitty New York apartments trying to make music um which you don't really see that much um like I mean it's not like her marketing thing but when you realize that these artists that have gone through not only like social um like rejection um and prejudices that they're also having to also struggle to be an artist and to make music and coming to a point where they're like maybe I should maybe the this isn't the industry for me, but the fact that Lizzo, I think in the in the view, she had kind of gotten to the end of her tether and when she wrote, um, God, what was the name of that big song? Uh, Turns out I'm 100% that bitch. Yeah, yeah. That song, she was just working with one of her friends that was a producer and she had just gone through like a shitty breakup or something and she was feeling miserable and her friend was like, why don't you just like switch your mind mindset and just everything that you don't feel right now, just like, project that into a song and like give that mindset energy throughout a song and i think that was also really powerful for a lot of people yeah what do they call it hot bitch energy <laughs> hot girl energy hot girl energy megan the stallion yeah uh. totally you know and it's that it's that sort of just uh enduring yeah, endurance through the through the bullshit mm. that really that really shines through to the people mm. and that's what's so important you know you, like there's there's a lot of artists I don't respect because because of that. And they don't really have too much substance. They don't have a lot of substance, and they're not they're they're selling themselves, which is okay. You've got to sell yourself. Mm. 
to a certain extent, but there's no substance behind it. There's no, I'm going to do this because I have to for this reason. Mm. It's, I'm going to do this because I want to make money. Mm. Yeah, I want to do this because I want to sell records, because I want a bigger house. Mm. Mm. And that's just, at the end of the day, there's nothing behind that, you know? Mm. And that's why I think a lot of people turn their nose at electronic music and pop music because that stigma has grown for so long mm. since oh, the pop music Ooh. yeah since the year 2000 i swear it's mm. been like that pop music has just been uh pushed down mm. but now with these with these artists that are coming up with their inclusivity you know like charlie xex you know mm. she, she i mean yeah like when charlie xex first started out i mean she was writing hits left right and center for other big yeah, artists exactly. i mean what was um What's that song I hate? Like, is it Camilla Cabello? That was massive. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. She wrote that, that song. Is that right? Yeah. Is and that, is that uh, Doja Cat? No, 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 no. 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 But um, also, what was it? I got an ad on YouTube the other day for, like, KFC, and they're still using the, I don't That's care. Right. I love it with um, Iconica Pop. And, and like, like I, I respect uh, Charlie XX, but fuck, I hate that song. <laughs> I really hate that fucking song. <laughs> But I think the main thing was that she was kind of at this point where she was probably like, I'm selling out. Like, she's a good hit writer, oh, regardless totally. of if you like the big hits she's got. Um, and I think she kind of reinvented herself with like the Vroom Vroom EP where she just kind of oh, steered clear completely. from pop pop and went into like this hyper experimental pop stage. Yeah, when I started hearing her started, new stuff, mm. after hearing like her feature on... Uh, Iggy Azalea's song. Why do we keep talking about hearing that KFC song? Yeah. I was like, I was like, what? You people, like, like all these alternative people that I uh, know, they're like, yeah, Charlie XX, she's great. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, she's not. She sucks. No, once you listen and then to I listened her to it. I was like, stuff. damn, she's actually making music now mm. that she wants to make, you know. Mm. And so I respect that she, she sort of, she sort of came in. She, she. Uh, she did what she had to do to get to the point mm. of where she had to, mm. and then she she said, "Fuck you! I'm gonna do what I well, want." What about what about Carly Rae Jepsen when uh, "Call Me Maybe" came out? Everyone that song grew because it was so catchy but annoying, and everyone hated it. And then what? A year or two later, she drops "Emotion," which is now in music heads and pop heads specifically one of the greatest pop albums. The greatest of pop album of of the 2010s. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I think Rolling Stone said that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I think there is there is some merit in kind of kind of selling yourself on a really shitty like run of the mill pop song but then actually getting yourself a platform where course, you can expand yeah. and actually show um you know your Did you guys emotion? sort of feel that stigma in Australian music of you mentioned before it being like a very indie rock space, but you guys were doing it independently, but doing pop music. Mm. That's kind of yeah. often seen as the label music or the high production music. Mm. Did you guys sort of struggle with that coming up or was that a factor? I think so. I, th mm. I And I think we still struggle with that is that the, the music that we're making, uh, well, it, it could be coming from me because I'm the producer, mm. but the the production value of of electronic music is just it's got to be it's got to be a hundred percent or people aren't going to pay attention. Mm. Mm. And so that's so much. 
that's why I think it's so important to grasp a fan base uh, locally, mm. and I mean locally within Australia, within Australia, mm. to really grab you. And and I and I think I think uh, that's important. But th- that and that's be- a bit of a pressure, like to, to oh. live up to. Oh, mm. up yeah. There. yeah, oh yeah, especially considering we're a band who is very much D- DIY. Mm. Like uh, all of the music is written by both of us, and no one else. <laughs> and then we just get Kojo to mix it. Mm. Shout out Kojo. <laughs> but I think ultimately Australia is different because Australia has a bit of a hierarchy. Uh, it rhymes with uh, Ripple Ray. <laughs> and unfortunately, if you can't make it there, then you're going to have to yeah. really work your ass off mm. touring and you've got you've to spend a lot of money promoting. Mm. But if you can make it Well, I mean, there, what, about, um, what about Sticky Fingers? Sticky Fingers came up through the ranks through Triple J and through Triple J listeners and became like this staple indie rock kind of band and then Triple J turned their heads. You know, um, what was it? They had like hit songs in the top 100 for years. Oh, years, And then years. once all these allegations and stuff came out, um, Triple J cancelled them, and rightfully so. Oh, of course. But just the the fact that Triple J had so much power, there weren't really many other music um, publications coming out and talking about it, that Triple J has such a platform that they can just defund no, exactly. these, these artists exactly. because they have such a... <laughs> A monopoly over the industry, which is not necessarily yeah, a bad thing, yeah. because they do. Um, they, they do, do wonderful of, things. They mm. they fund they fund festivals, mm. and they 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 most of the the successful bands you know out of Australia right now is because Triple J have given them an opportunity, and that's a great thing. That's a great mm. thing. But if you look at America and Europe, there's there's fifty Triple Js, yeah, and there's so many, uh, you know. I think I think also because in like Europe and America and stuff like that, there's a bigger population. Mm. You know, their states and countries are separate entities. That um, there's more there's more homegrown. But I think also like it's hard to compare Australia to other places because it's it's completely different culture. Um, and there, I feel like in like for America, for example there's different states that are known for different things, like Tennessee for yeah. country music. Um, and Seattle for, like, grunge and rock, you Yeah, know? yeah, things like that. So I think... There's more room for genres. Yeah. And, exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, the South is country music. I mean, mm-hmm. that vaguely, you know. I mean, even the South in black communities um, are the source for a lot of, like, like root rap music. Um, which also I think it's because each each state within the U.S. is so heavily cultured. Mm, is they it's they all have their own uh, c- communities, yeah. these massive communities. Mm. Whereas in Australia, it's like there's three genres of music: uh, rap, pop, rap, and indie pop, rock. and indie rock. Mm. Uh, and then there's EDM, which is like yeah, we'll play EDM, but only after 11 p.m. <laughs> Yeah, EDM, EDM's funny. I feel like EDM, in my mind at least, is just fully, even though it's literally just electronic dance music, it's just purely Skrillex and dubstep to a well, lot of people. Well, yeah. And because that's, that was what the rise is. And that's a lot of, I think that's a lot of the, the uh, 
the opinions of a lot of people, mm. which is unfortunate because I mean EDM itself that that acronym mm. is is actually used now for a subgenre of electronic music, which is um, I think it's mostly like club music, mm. but um, it's kind of more a blanket. Genre. It's more a blanket and genre, then, yeah. Mm. So it's 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 hard. It's hard to to sort of distinguish. Like for us, example, our, our new music. Um, mm. Like full for you. Let's go off that. Mm. I mean, what the fuck is that? I don't know. How is that know. pop music? Is it house music? Is it electro pop? I feel like full for you was kind of fun to write because it was different. I yeah. think in our EP, it was very much like really early roots of being inspired by eighties oh, synth pop. Yeah. Um, and then once we kind of moved from that, we experimented, and I think without sounding egotistical we have our own little genre that i don't really know who we sound like i don't really know where and we that, fit in yeah and i agree with you there because that bothers me <laughs> because i'm constantly on this search for bands that sound like the music mm. we've we've made and the music i'm making now mm. like i'm like i'm trying to find mm. something that sounds similar and it grabs it grabs um it grabs areas of trance, it grabs areas of house, it grabs areas of uh, pop music, classic pop music, classic 90s pop music especially. And it's just, I, th I think that comes from the fact that five years ago, if you told me the, the music I was listening, I was making now, I would say you're a fucking liar. Because it was just... You were such a metalhead. No, I was, I was just, I was like, like Tame Impala was my thing thing like it was just indie um, rock i don't complete. know if you know this but there's this really cool song by tame impala you might know it i don't probably yeah probably <laughs> i know it all but you know i was, I was mm. just it's it's so funny looking about uh, looking looking back at how quick the process was where i got absolutely obsessed with electronic music mm. it was just so quick like the there was there was maybe eight months before I messaged you saying, hey, do you want to join this band I'm making? Where I was in a band with Josh and Rowan and we we were like a, we were like a shoegaze band. Mm. And I was like, that's all I want to do. I shoegaze. don't want mm. I, I didn't know anything about electronic music. I didn't know anything about MIDI or doors or anything. And then just I don't know what it was. It was um it was listening to part time. I discovered mm. part time who uh for those who don't know, he's this guy out of LA. Sexual allegations. Yeah, he's a terrible person. Don't <laughs> listen to his music. It ended, he ended up being a really awful person. Right. Which is so terribly upsetting because... He was in your, like, your number one artist. He was like my number one artist for years. He was just, he inspired me more than anyone else. Mm. And it's just, it makes me sick that that ended up coming true. But I discovered him mm. and then, and he makes like... Uh, what do you call it? It's like it's like eighties music, but it's like um, uh, like new indie, indie new wave new wave uh, modern contemporary eighties music. Do we sound fucking pretentious right now? Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it it just was such a quick process, and then all of a sudden, I was just like, "Yep, yeah, this is what I want to do." Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. I want to make electronic music, and I bought myself a little MIDI keyboard. And then that was it, mm. you know? Mm. I think also one of the reasons why we feel like we don't really fit into a genre is because 
I think especially in the early days of Nico, I was like, I'm not writing like a pop song. Mm. I'm not repeating one sentence five times. Like I was so against it. Like I remember writing love sounds. I was the Um, same. And I was like, I could make a really simple catchy chorus, but I'm not fucking going up because... I'm too edgy for that. Because I'm fuck not that. Sell we out. don't want to. We don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah, and I think also like you were coming from this '80s synth pop background, and I mean, I also did enjoy a lot of shoegaze and stuff. But I think also me being like really mainstream pop, and then a lot of rap. We were coming from two separate different worlds, so we kind oh, of have totally. our own influences that blend into our music, which is why I feel like it's kind of hard to. Because um, I remember when we released like the Love Capital EP like two years ago, um, I didn't really feel like I had that much rap influence coming through, but I remember there were a few no, yeah. reviews, people saying, comparing me to like um, like Young Lean and mm. and saying that they could see like Gwen Stefani influence, Lily Allen influence, and I was like, damn, this person's really just gone through my Spotify yeah, history. Yeah, it was a bit, it, now looking back, like some of your vocals were a bit hip hop, you know? Like yeah. The way you sort of bounced off the bass, especially. Mm. Yeah, and I think definitely that's kind of, where the the mix of genres kind of is also good in a way because oh totally I mean and I'm it's glad I'm, I'm glad of that and I backgrounds. think I think the the search for that sound I'm looking for is going to keep going mm. and that and I'm it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to deal with but I'm I'm happy that it is mm. it makes it makes writing songs pretty hard because I'm one of those guys that takes influence off the people I love. Mm. The artists I love, and so you I mean, plagiarize. Oh, every great, what's that saying? Um, uh, every there's go- nothing new. Every good there. artist writes their own songs. Every great artist copies someone else's and doesn't get caught. <laughs> and I mean, I write all my own songs. Trust me, but I get so much influence off the people I love, and mm. and so so having to find something to really grab me that. Uh, that I can go off over the last year and a half has been so difficult mm. because I'm, I go back to my music. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What are we doing here? Mm. But I think that's why we've got a great fan base mm. because we are unique and we are, mm. we are, um, uh, isolated with our sound. Yeah. Well, we've come kind of full circle there back to 2020. Oh, yeah. You guys got a few shows coming up. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, tell us about those. So when uh, when can we see um, the, the first n- return shows? Um, 25th of this month. Playing Little two, Headline. Yeah, I think it's two weeks away. Yeah, shit. <laughs> um, little Headline gig at... Sideway. Sideway. Mm. Yeah, yeah we, cool got, uh, we got Zuko, who are great. Mm, so good. Can we play um, Zuko's song? Zuko, yeah, what's that bad track they released? Oh, it's so good. And then we got Liv Lai as well. Mm. Uh, she's incredible. She's been she's been pumping out music for so long. She's just just keep going. Nothing's stopping her. I'm uh, gonna get that Zuko song up so we can play it. Panic and Joy, can you can you play this Panic song? And joy. Oh yeah. Yeah, shout I out to Zuko, man. And that's that's like that goes back to Canberra electronic music. Like, I feel like I could name off one hand the amount of original electronic pop bands in Canberra, 
and they're all so fucking good. Mm. And that's why I want to grab everyone and put us all in a big room, mm. little little room, and just say, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Fussy. Well, I feel like i got to be, you know. I learned that from you, though. Thanks. So glad you got to play it twice. <laughs> yeah, I remember so when these um, guys are playing with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're playing with us. I just, I, I are can't. These guys from Canberra. Yeah, totally. They've been around for ages. They were in, uh, they're in another band. Oh well, um, Rashan's in another band. Um, Mondocrine. Mondocrine. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god. I remember I went to this house show. It was probably two years ago, maybe year and a half ago. Mm. I remember you coming, you, like, you saw me, like, the next day, and you were like, you got to fucking listen to these cunts, like... Yeah, uh, bro. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was I was so drunk and I was so high. And then I didn't know who they were, and they, they ended the night. I was like, who's this band? And this is, like, just after we released the EP. Mm. I listened to them, and I was just fucking blown away. Mm. I was like, what? I didn't know this band existed in Canberra. Yeah. I didn't even think there was electronic bands in Canberra. And then these guys came out and played some of the best music I've ever heard. Mm. It was incredible. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of artists that don't get enough credit, like especially within Canberra. Like there's so many artists that even if they don't necessarily have the platform they deserve, they're still creating like good, authentic music. Um, yeah. Like the, there's just... There's so many. I don't want to name them off and then miss people and feel bad. Like Slowdale, for example. Oh, Slowdale. Oh. Watching watching Slowdale live, I feel like I'm I the people were when they watched uh, Led Zeppelin live mm. for the first time in the sixties. Mm. I'm just sitting there and just it's just so captivating and so good. Mm. And you know, I I just I couldn't tell you enough about that band. Mm. How good they are. I think there definitely needs to be um, more investment in the Canberra music community. I mean, ACT Music and stuff are, are doing a They're lot. doing a great job, but, I mean, there's limited resources, you mm. know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Melbourne is kind of like seen as the LA of, of Australia. Yeah, everyone moves to Melbourne, <laughs> which is a shame. Mm. Because I think... Stay here, you know. Stay here, you know, build it for yourself. But, I mean... Who's to say we probably won't move to Melbourne? Well, fuck! If we blow up in the next six months, and they're like, "Well, you got to move to Melbourne." Sorry, Gary and Jan, we're moving out. <laughs> fuck Melbourne, straight to LA. Uh, Not for a year or two with the uh, COVID. Yeah. I wish. But I don't um, know. I would love to move to LA though. I got these romantic ideas in my head. You probably get there and there's fucking rats on the subway, and you're oh. like, "This is shit." Bro, you move to LA and you're you're one in a million, you know. Whereas yeah, in exactly. Cam in Canberra, where we got we got a bit of substance. Mm. Yeah. Because there's not a lot, you know, there's um, more opportunities, I think, in Canberra because you're not competing with so many other artists. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, um, a lot of the artists we play with, for example, when they tour, we don't necessarily sound like them. Mm. I mean, Boo Seeker, for example. Like when we played with Boo Seeker and Genesis Oisu, we don't sound like either of those, but because we're this big Because we're pop. one of the we're one of the few, mm. you know? And that's 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 a great that's a great mm. thing, mm. you know. You're doing something unique and mm. you know, different. Exactly, yeah. 
Guys, it's been great chatting to you tonight. Thank you for, for popping in. No problem. Thank you very much for having us. No problem. Take care and uh, look forward to seeing these shows.